Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Today we are on episode 72 and talking about I Am Not Who You Think I Am by Eric Rickstad. So content warning for the book in this episode, we will be talking about suicide. So just wanted to give a heads up on that. And I also wanted to share Scribed again. So they are not a sponsor. They should be a sponsor, but I really love Scribed a lot. And one of my friends started using it and she's loving it too. She did let me know that the subscription price did go up to, I think she said $11.99 a month. But of course she gets the free 60 days using my link, which if you haven't tried Scribed, you definitely should. And you can get 60 days free using my link too, which is in the show notes. She just listened to As You Wish by Carrie Elwes, which I have talked about before. It's an awesome book, and it's even better on audio. I've been listening to the Books Gone and Secret Society series, and it's so cute, and it's a good palate cleanser for some of the heavier stuff that I like to read and that I like to share on the podcast. Otherwise, this year is still off to a great start. I have been continuing on this path of living my life so much more authentically than I think I ever have before, and it really just contributes to my happiness overall. I've been so much more social in the past couple of months than I think I have since I was in my 20s, and it's been a huge change. Of course, in my 20s, being social was going out to the bar and getting drunk every night and then waking up and going to work hungover, and I definitely do not miss those days. Now my social activity has been a lot of networking, some different social events for meetup, hanging out with friends, both new and old, and of course, I still love going to my favorite watering holes and just reading a book. And I actually haven't had enough time for that one because I've been so busy doing other social kind of stuff. And as much as I love that other stuff, I do just kind of miss a quiet night out reading a book to myself. I'm excited for this weekend because I have absolutely nothing going on and I'm going up north by myself. So it'll be great to just get in some time and relax and read. I've definitely been busy with work too, and I've worked the past two weekends in a row. I'm definitely finding my stride at work as well, and I absolutely love it. I keep having people telling me that I made their day, and I don't feel like I'm going above and beyond or doing anything. It's just the type of things that I think should be considered good customer service. But people have been really thankful lately, and it makes my job that much easier and even that much more enjoyable. I honestly don't think I would ever quit my job, even if this podcast really took off one day, which I hope it does. So please go ahead and rate me five stars on Audible, Stitcher, iTunes, or whatever you use to listen to your podcasts. So getting into the booze this week, I Am Not Who You Think I Am is this dark and twisting novel, so I knew exactly the pairing that I wanted for this book. The beer to pair this book with is Brooklyn Brewery Limited Release Black Chocolate Stout. This is a hearty but rich and smooth beer. It's an imperial stout, which comes in at 10% ABV. The black chocolate lends a deep flavor that makes it stand out from other stouts that I've had. And the flavor really has like 
a deep chocolate flavor that's more like a cacao chocolate flavor than like a milk chocolatey flavor. And I did not know this, but apparently Imperial Stouts have a really rich history. So I was um, looking at the Beer Advocate website, looking at this beer, and there is a link in show notes to that website that I was looking at. But in the 18th century, Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia, ordered a stout to be sent to her from England. This beer was brewed strong and hoppy to survive the sea voyage, and it arrived in perfect condition. Soon, Russian Imperial Stout became the toast of the Russian aristocracy. Brewed since 1994, our black chocolate stout has itself become a modern classic, heralded the world over. It achieves its dark chocolate aroma and flavor through the artful blending of six malts and three distinct mashes. There's nothing better than enjoying with chocolate desserts, cheesecake, ice cream, fine cheese, and roaring fire. And honestly, I kind of felt the same way. Maybe not the sweet so much, but that's because I'm not a sweet person. But definitely fine cheeses and a roaring fireplace sounded great to me. And also as a great pairing with this book. So going into author Eric Rickstad, once again, I had never really heard of him. I found I'm not who you think I am on a list of like top thrillers when I was craving a thriller and I was just looking for good books to read. Rickstad is a New York Times bestselling author, so maybe I should have heard of him, but I hadn't. And he does have his own website, but it doesn't really seem to be maintained. He has a blog, but it was last updated like five years ago. And it says his most recent book was like from 2015, but his most recent book is the one we're talking about today, which is I'm Not Who You Think I Am. And that was published in 2021. So the bio from his website, Eric Rickstad is New York Times, US, USA Today, an international bestseller, bestselling author of canon crime series novels, which includes The Names of Dead Girls, The Silent Girls, and Lion Wait. These dark psychological page turners set in remote northern Vermont are heralded as masterful, disturbing, profound, and heartbreaking. Rickstead's first novel, Reap, was a New York Times noteworthy novel. His latest novel, which is not his latest novel, What Remains of Her, will be published July 24th, 2018. Okay, I thought it was 2015, but this says 2018. Rickstad lives in Vermont with his wife, son, and daughter and writes all his first drafts with a pencil in notebooks, often outside in the Vermont woods, which I thought was a really cool detail. I don't know if I would write in pencil, but um, probably pen, but the fact that he handwrites all his first drafts is really cool, but I imagine that is a little bit of extra work for him. And he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, which is surprising considering he's a New York Times bestselling author. And I've heard a lot about the novel that we're talking about today. So that just seemed kind of crazy to me because I usually pretty much always find authors on Wikipedia. Sometimes not, but I'd say the largest percentage I definitely do find on Wikipedia. I also like that he seems to lead a relatively quiet life, which gives me hope that if I would ever maybe become a best-selling author that I wouldn't be thrust into the spotlight because that's definitely not who I am as a person. I think unless you achieve insane amounts of success in or your book does that or that fans of your books and like the fans and the authors are kind of 
mostly a laid back group of people that aren't into huge fandoms. Of course, there are some exceptions like Stephanie Meyer and Twilight, Stephen King, George R.R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones, that kind of stuff. Uh, and obviously there's more than a few of those types of examples, but but those are kind of even few and far between too, considering how many books there are out there. But I don't expect myself to be ever in those categories with those authors. And honestly, I don't know that I would want to be. So getting into the book today, as I mentioned, I came across this title when I was looking for a good thriller. And honestly, I wasn't necessarily planning on using this for the podcast, but I was just feeling a little overwhelmed with life and work at the moment. And picking the right book to read just felt like more than what I wanted to deal with in the moment. So I thought, look, I'm just going to read this book. And if I get a chance to read the next podcast book on my list before the next episode, then I'll use it. But I just needed to read something kind of for myself right now. And it was nice. I read almost the whole book while I was sitting at the bar enjoying a few drinks. And I actually really enjoyed it. So I thought, hey, even though I read this for myself, I will be happy to share this one. And this one actually was the very last book that I bought for myself in um, 2022 last year before I started this no book, no buy book year. So I Am Not Who You Think I Am is a thriller told by Wayland Maynard. Wayland is an adult as he's narrating the story of what happened to him as a teenager. He's trying to uncover the truth about the death of his father. Wayland, at eight years old, witnesses his father kill himself. As he grows older, he comes to believe that his own memories can't be trusted, and he knows there is something that his mother is hiding from him. He begins his own investigation into the death of his father with the help of his friends, Juliet and Clay. It started out with a press release to the town from the chief of police. So I initially was thinking, oh, I hate these plot devices. But then I kept reading and I was really actually captivated. So I changed my mind and I changed my thinking and decided, well, I still I think it's an annoying plot device. This is a book in which I thought it was really done well. And I am absolutely not annoyed by the beginning of this book. In fact, I got so involved in the story that I forgot about that part of it until the author brought it around at the end of the book and the press release is a nice prologue and epilogue to the story. In a way, it almost made it seem like more real and legitimized to me. Another thing that really pulled me in was Wayland saying that his father loved him and was a good man. And quote, of this, I'm almost certain. And it's the almost that caught my attention and really made me note this and think, oh, I wonder why he said of this, I'm almost certain. So it was really compelling to keep moving forward with reading it. The story, of course, is one that can't be trusted. As I mentioned, Wayland is recounting the story in his adulthood. So he's very clearly telling the readers that he's an unreliable narrator because he's recounting these memories from when he was much younger. It's not a large part of the story in the way the unreliable narrator is in Girl on a Train. So it's not exactly like that, but it's important and it's something to kind of note and pay attention to as you're reading. Wayland is a fairly likable character, of course, about as likable as a teenager can be. 
Sometimes you're reminded of the fact that he's still a child and your heart just absolutely breaks for him and the life that he's led and the suffering that he's been through. At other times, you just kind of want to smack him because he's an idiotic, self-absorbed, and self-centered teenager. (laughs) And it's probably good for me to pay attention to this now because I will have a teenager here in not too many years. So it's important to remember that they grow out of that stupidity. Most do. Many of them do anyways. And it does really pull on the heartstrings as we learn about how his father's suicide has impacted him his sister, and his mother. While I do understand that someone who has reached the point of suicide truly believes that it is what's best and it is what's best for them and their family, that it's better if they're gone, the truth of the matter is that it often leaves the family even worse off dealing with that loss. And as an empath, this one definitely just hurt me so much thinking about a young Wayland dealing with the trauma, and I totally teared up several times. Wayland's father is a reader, and I love this in my characters because as a dedicated reader myself, I always relate to those types of characters so much more. Wayland's father tells him, quote, books, words have power, not magic, not wonder, power, power to convince you of things, even things that do not exist. First of all, I do disagree with this statement. I think books and words have all of those things, power, magic, and wonder. And it makes me think of that meme, change my mind, because yeah, try to change my mind on that. I don't think it's just one of those things. And good luck changing my mind on that. I think books and words can do every single one of those things. And it just depends on the type of book, the type of words, and what you're actually reading. And it can be each of those things. It can be a couple of those things. And it can be all of those things all at once. But I also think that this quote is incredible because it's a great foreshadowing quote for the end of the story, as well as a beautiful commentary on books in general, being able to convince readers of things that don't really exist. The way Rick's dad writes this novel makes me almost believe it. So I guess in this Rick's dad has his power. I love how real Wayland seems as he's growing up. This book is both a thriller and kind of a coming-of-age story. One of the moments that strikes me is when Wayland kills a woodchuck that his friend Clay has injured. He does it to end the animal's suffering, but he struggles with the action, and he realizes that the hard thing and the right thing in life are often the same. This is an incredible moment of foreshadowing that Rick's dad lays out for us as the reader as well. Wayland has a crush on Juliet, and in his mind, he calls her by her both first and last name. And I think this is incredibly relatable, especially as a teenager, when you put that crush up on a pedestal. This is just one of the ways he does this by thinking of her with her full name. It takes altogether too long for Wayland to get into therapy, but when he does, I feel relief as the reader. It's probably because I'm such a huge fan of therapy that I felt this way, but then quickly, we as the reader, alongside of Wayland, become so suspicious of its therapist. This is something that I've thought about a lot lately, too. Not suspicious therapists, but I've been working on respecting my intuition and my gut feelings more. And I think it's really tough to do that when you've spent so much of your life ignoring your gut feelings. So how do you separate the intuition from basic paranoia? 
Wayland is dealing with a lot of the paranoia. And of course, it's hard to know what's going on when you're reading about someone else versus your own intuition. But to just kind of go back a step here, I've decided to it's important to take small steps and paying attention to intuition. I work with a lot of people, so I try to get a read on them early on and see if I'm right in my feelings. And I think that's kind of helping overall, first of all, to understand people and then also kind of pay attention to my own intuition. And I think that intuition is definitely really important as I'm dating and looking for my person. As Wayland is uncovering the truth, you just know something bad happened, which reminds me that I always say it's so much better to tell the truth and be upfront with things. It's the lies that people get caught in and trying to protect those lies always causes so much more grief to them and the people around them. I was listening to a podcast the other day, true crime, of course, (laughs) and they were talking about this murderer who basically said the death penalty was never a deterrent because he never planned on getting caught. And that's true of a lot of uh, criminals. They never, the, the penalty's not a deterrent because they don't actually plan on getting caught. And it's the same with this and with lies. People never intend for the truth to come out, but you're going to get caught eventually and the truth comes out. Even if you don't think it will, it does. I actually know a couple of my exes who think they got away with some shit, but I knew and I know, and it wasn't worth bringing up by the time I found out. And it's definitely not worth bringing up now to go back and say, hey, I know that this happened and I know that you did these things, but I know for certain that they do not think I know. They are moving forward with their lives thinking that I don't know some of their secrets or some of the things they lied to me about, but I definitely do. (laughs) And it's just a reminder that the truth comes out. So stop lying. I've also talked a couple times about this and it came up in the book. People are both predictable and complicated at the same time. I was really surprised at the resolution of this book. It's been done before for sure, but I love how Rick's dad wove this story together and put his spin on it. The motivations, though, are common, and I'm not giving anything away here, but in this story, the reason is all or the reason for all the lies is money, of course. So I was thinking about this as as I was driving home from work the other day, that people are predictable about the big things, like major motivators and drivers of murder and crime and lies and manipulation are all the same, big things like money, sex, jealousy, things like that. But it's the underlying factors that makes things more complicated. So I found this a really quick and enjoyable read, Rick's dad's story has that pretty original spin, despite the themes being old. So I'll give this one a four out of five, but I'll be honest, the whole time I was reading it, I was much more leaning towards a three. It's the ending that really did it for me. It's the reason behind it all and how it plays out. His ending doesn't feel typical and that like final battle or confrontation that's always in the thriller books was so much more enjoyable than I usually find them. And I mean, it was a bloodbath, of course, but it was much more uniquely written. Sometimes when I get to the end of the thriller, it's just so cliche. It's so overdone. It feels like, you know, when the main character finally meets the monster, it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same story and how it plays out. And sometimes I skip ahead because it's just so boring. I don't always like, 
I don't like skip it, but I, I definitely skim it because it's kind of boring. But this one was really good. And I read every word on this one because I really enjoyed it. There is also this little twist that I didn't see coming, but I absolutely loved it. This is a classic reader move. Goodreads gave it a 3.55. The first reviewer said, quote, I wasn't expecting this to be a young adult gothic novel, but that's what it was. Wayland spent most of the book creeping around investigating like something out of the Hardy Boys or mooning over a girl. There is a lot of teenage angst. So, by the way, this is not really a young adult novel. It's an adult novel with the main character as a teenager. And since he is a teenager, there's definitely teenage angst. So in that way, I definitely think it's like a fair review. Uh, it didn't bother me because, well, Wayland is a teenager, but I don't really think it's a young adult novel. And I did forget to mention the gothic aspect sooner. So I'm glad that this review reminded me, but I loved the gothic aspect of it. And it was a huge plus for me. And in my opinion, it's perhaps reminiscent of teenage sleuth novels I loved as a kid, though I definitely wouldn't put this in the same category as them. Another reviewer said, quote, I hope to enjoy this book a lot more than I did. I felt empty and disappointed when the story was brought to a finish. Wayland will regret he ever found the note, trusted his friends, or believed in such a thing as the truth. I am not who you think I am is a shattering tale of grief, obsession, and fate as those eight words led to life-changing events. And while this reviewer gave it three stars, I do think three stars is pretty darn good, but they are spot on with how tragic that the ending is. It's definitely not a book with a happy ending. And as I read through the reviews, I once again found it fascinating how subjective books can be and how reading is such a personal experience. One of the twists that I completely adored and found to be extremely clever was the same thing that a one-star reviewer rolled their eyes at and absolutely hated. <laughs> then reading some of the comments, some reviewers talked about better books to read than this one, and some of the books that they talked about as like a quote, better book were books that I kind of find to be average and formulaic. So it's so subjective and take my thoughts with a grain of salt and make your own assessments. Though, if you've been listening to the podcast and you find we have similar tastes and like the same books, then maybe you can um, pick up on my thoughts and appreciate them because we do have similar tastes. Media recommendations this week, The Most Hated Man on the Internet, which is on Netflix, this is a documentary about Hunter Moore, a scumbucket who created the website Is Anyone Up and is kind of considered the founder of revenge porn. The website Is Anyone Up featured women whose email had been hacked and private photos of them stolen and put up on the website, as well as women whose exits shared their private photos. Thank you for that um, full body shake, Tali. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, this was a tough watch. It's really horrific and definitely could be triggering for some, but I think it's an important story to know and for people to see. Also, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, we rented this on Prime, and I don't normally want to rent movies since we have so many streaming services, but this was one the boy wanted to share with me. He said I'd really like it, and I did. I absolutely loved it. 
He offered to pay for it to rent it because he wanted me to see it. But since it was so good, I paid for it rather than let him pay for it from his allowance. It is a beautiful story about a man and woman who fall in love and they both have superpowers and they have very different views on what strength and humanity means to them. And as their children grow, their children learn their own views about life, love, and legacy. It's magical. It's legendary. It's all around at just an incredible movie. And I highly recommend it. Even if you have to rent or buy it, it's a really good one. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don't read drunk. Email me at don't read drunk at gmail.com and check out my website. Don't read drunk.buzzsprout.com. There is no apostrophe in any of the don'ts. Also a reminder, this is my hobby podcast. I do not do this full time. So if you can help support it, that would be great. You can do a one-time donation through PayPal using my email. Don't read drunk at gmail.com. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don't read drunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at one up till sunup who created the music. You can find Aaron and one up till sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also Avenue coffee house. You can find them on Facebook or their website at avenue coffeehouse.com. Also supernova coffee and donuts, downtown Milwaukee. Next episode, Beyond the Wand, The Magic and Mayhem of Growing Up a Wizard by Tom Felton. Bye, and talk to you soon.